Hello and welcome. I'm Gary Scheib. Thanks for listening in as we continue to talk with leaders in our community. With us today is Dr. Langston Colin Wilkins. He is the director of the Center for Washington Cultural Traditions. The center is Washington State's only statewide folk and traditional arts program. It's just a year old. Dr. Wilkins, welcome. Thanks for coming. Thank you for having me. Uh, I'm glad to have you here today um, for a couple of reasons. The Center for Washington Cultural Traditions, uh, not known, like I said, it's kind of brand new, so I kind of want to get that out uh, to the folks. Partnership, right, with Humanities Washington and the Washington State Arts Commission, which also people, I don't think, (laughs) realize are two entities around here that we should also tell them a little bit more. Uh, I don't know, give us a little background maybe on those. Humanities Washington? Yeah, Humanities Washington is the uh, Washington State uh, Humanities Council. Um, It's one of 50-plus humanities councils around the nation. Um, That includes all the 50 states and territories. It's sort of a uh, subsidiary of the National Endowment for the Humanities. And um, essentially what we do is we conduct programming that engages the various genres of the humanities. So we do you know, literary programming, historical stuff. Um, The center does folk life work. Um, So what we're trying to do is essentially use humanities to tell the story of Washington State. That's what we do. Yeah, that's a great way of saying it. Tell the stories of ourselves, really. Um, And also then, so the Washington State Arts Commission, that's an actual department of our state government, right? Yeah, the Washington State Arts Commission is an entity of state government, um, it's the preeminent arts program in the state. Gives away tons of money to stimulate the art scene and arts economy around the state, while also doing various programs themselves. So, um, yeah, two major, major institutions within the state, you know, collaborated for this project program. Yeah, and and Humanities Washington is a. They're not a state program. No, they're a non-profit. Non-pro- yeah, they're a non-profit, yeah, right? Yeah, non-profit, yep, essentially, yeah. So it, there's a sort of a government non-profit collaboration, which is really good, you know, that supports this. And I think it's going to help the center, you know, persist, you know, well so you into guys, the future. you're able to use each other's resources without yeah. having to be restricted by anything, really, because you, as Humanities Washington can, can yeah. sort of set their own agenda, right? We can set our own agenda. We can go and get... Uh, grants and other forms of funding. Um, the state, um, the Washington State Arts Commission has, of course, a, a budget that comes through our state government. So, yeah, it's a good leveraging of public funds and as well as private funds. It's really and, awesome. Yeah, and so the Center for Washington Cultural Traditions, you've been hired as the director. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're new at this job, but that role, that part of Humanities Washington, that's brand new too, right? Give us the sort of background on what that's, I don't know, what do you call it, a vision, mission statement, or what its role is at Humanities Washington, the yeah, well, Center for Washington Cultural Traditions? Yeah, let me give you a little bit of background. Um, so the Center for Washington Cultural Traditions has been around for about a year. It kind of got started last March, and it's a new iteration of the statewide folk life program that used to be housed at the Washington State Arts Commission for 20 plus years. I think it kind of ended in 2013 due to funding problems. Um, Typical of a lot of state programs. (laughs) It's common, which is why this, you know, public private partnership is so important, you know. So, yeah, the center got started last March um, after years of work. Um, There were several 
public conversations around the state, you know, where we went out and talked to constituents about one, whether there was a need for a folk life program, and two, if so, you know, what did they want us to do? And so we had, we got an affirmative response, and um, the founding director of the center, Kristen Sullivan, you know, worked tirelessly to get it started um, last March, and she uh, was the director until last November, when before she uh, she eventually moved back east to become the executive director of a museum, which is awesome. <laughs> that that's not um, like a fun job, though. <laughs> it's a fun job, yeah. And I think it's perfect for her. I think she worked there before, so it made sense. I don't think she wanted to leave, but you know, it was too good of an opportunity to pass up. So uh, they went out and searched for a new director and hired me in January. And here I am. Yeah. <laughs> and so now let's get to maybe some uh, dig down into what the, it, it's decided, you know, a, a study for a couple of years. Here's yeah. what we want to focus on. Let's figure out what we need to do with this and why. Yeah. Uh, so, so that why um, and, and the what, I guess, what is so when we're using terms like folk life and cultural traditions, I guess that. You know, you throw that at a hundred different people, you might get a hundred different answers. What have you guys narrowed that down to, to your scope, I guess? Uh, or maybe it's not narrow. Maybe it's broad on purpose. I don't know. Yeah, that's true as well. So folk life or, you know, what some would call traditional arts and culture, it, there's a variety of definitions. Uh, but for the center, you know, we see folk life or traditional arts as, you know, essentially art forms, cultural practices that are learned informally. So um, through word of mouth, um, through um, observation. So learn outside of formal institutions and pass down ac- across generations within cultural groups. Uh-huh. And these cultural groups could be family, uh, neighborhoods, religious groups, etc. Um, so, and, you know, our form of practices includes various musical forms, food ways or, you know, cooking, um, literature, dance, etc. And I think we would also include oral history within, under the umbrella of folk life. So that's kind of what the center engages. Wow, so that's pretty cool, actually. To uh, And then so as the center uh, has formed with this idea of, of what it's encompassing, you guys want to collect that variety of cultural traditions in the state to sort of as a... I don't know, an archive, a bank of, of this stuff, or to pass it along, to spread it, say, hey, you people in uh, this part of the state, did you know that over here we do this and people are doing this? Or maybe that, that would help, hey, there's people just like you doing the same thing over here. I, it, what's it all for? Is, yeah. Is it also a wide scope to... It's pretty wide scope. I think we want to do both. You know, we, we want to document these traditions and practices. We want to put them on the cultural record, you know, because a lot of these practices and art forms come from communities that have been marginalized in various ways, and their experiences aren't a part of the common or popular narrative of Mm. Washington State. So we want to, through their folk life, you know, bring those communities from the margins to the mainstream on their own terms. So we certainly want to document those practices, but we also want to promote them and spread them. So, you know, through our programming, we engage these cultural practices. We do, we've done events, and also we use um, various forms of new media like podcasts and, you know, short documentaries to, you know, both document these traditions and tell the stories of 
the people of our state. So it's a little bit of both, a little bit of archival and a little bit of, you know, public presentation. That's pretty cool. I mean, that that does sound like a, we mentioned the word museum before. It sort of sounds like what a museum does, but this is a, a statewide. And then will it be, um, I don't know, archive like a database uh, as well as doing a presentation? Can, will you hopefully have something that people can go to online and do research and find out about their Oh, absolutely, yeah. Remote? Right now I'm that might on. be a big uh, yeah. ongoing thing that can get bigger and bigger forever, right? I think so. I think it's my goal. There is a archive, you know, um, rooted that comes from the previous version of the Folklife program. But what we want to do here is to, you know, create something that's very publicly accessible through our website, through videos, through other forms of media, that, yeah, 20 years from now, if someone wants to research the traditions or practices from their culture, they can hit our website and find something on it. You know, that's what we want to do. We want it to be a, a resource for people in Washington State and others around the country and world who want to know what this state is about. Yeah. So are we, I don't know if this is a silly question, are we at risk of losing or forgetting our own cultural history? I mean, it said it's being passed down, but if, if I'm not in that, I don't know, ethnicity or that style of people who love that kind of music, what you said over said, it's a variety of things, literature yeah. or something. Uh, is that a potential that it it's, gets lost to the next generation? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, uh, that's a, a common, you know, um, goal of folk life programs in general is to preserve and protect, protect. you know, traditional cultures because cultures and practices get lost for various reasons. You know, um, sometimes they get lost, you know, or go away naturally, you know, as time progresses and people's interests change. Yeah, that happens. But often it's because of, you know, migration or it's because of, you know, death or it's because of various things that are out of people's controls, you know. So what we're trying to do here is for those art forms, and there's many that are at risk, we want to right now stop and document them, preserve them, and hopefully through our various programs pass them on so they can, you know, stay alive as long as the community wants them and the community seems to want them. Yeah. Um, so I don't know, uh, are you able, I mean, you're brand new at this <laughs> and you, you're not a Washington state native, right? No, I'm not. Uh, so I don't know if you're the, the word diverse. Are you able to give us some examples yet of, of what you think uh, the center for Washington cultural traditions is going to delve into? I mean, if, if I say tradition and, you know, of this state, people might think, well, culturally, I guess that means the native uh, Washingtonians and the, you know, the uh, old Indian tribes that were here. But it means a lot more than that, right? Or, I mean, what can you give us some examples? Of what we'll learn here, and what you'll yeah. what you'll research and document, and et it means a ton. You know, I'll tell you, we have two core programs that um, we're doing currently. The first is what we call the Cultural Tradition Survey, and it's actually in its second year. Our first year, we were in the Yakima Valley. And uh, I guess that's south, maybe central, southeast Washington. And um, we just went out there and we spent about a year and we're still there, you know, just researching, you know, immersing ourselves in the culture and trying to identify traditional artists and traditional practices. And now in that area, we found a ton. Um, of course, there's tribal culture uh, via the, the Yakima Nation. Yeah. And so they have various, you know, carving, musical, dance traditions out there. Um, 
you know, there's a, a large, I guess, Mexican-American population. So they've brought their traditions into the area. Um, we've documented a quinceanera dressmaker um, out there. There's various Mexican foodways out there. So, you know, along with, uh, you know, fly fishing and, and fly fish bait making. Oh. So is it, there's a diversity of traditions in that area. And that kind of represents the scope that we're trying to engage via the center. So it's just, it's so wide open. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Um, Cause yeah, that part of the state, as you mentioned that, yeah, the, and, and, you know, the, the culture of the Yakima nation, the, the immigrants, as you said, the, they're there. They've been there for several generations now of, right. of the Mexican and Chicano uh, migration into that area. I think probably originally to pick uh, apples yep. and, and uh, fruit. And then, the ranching and the and the part of the state the that just grew out of that and the like you said fly fishing yeah. the, the that's pretty cool so that's wide encompassing mm-hmm. um, in a way you will then gather and how do you do that so that must take a lot of <laughs> legwork you know uh, people with walking back and forth and meeting people and setting up uh, meetings how does that how does that part of it work <laughs> essentially that's what it is really? so, um, so I mean you got put up a flyer or you actually I mean how do you start this we do that of... there's various ways and technology has helped with this um, so through the cultural tradition survey survey we hire a contract folklorist who is you know while I'm here in Seattle that person is down there on the ground in Yakima, for instance. And so what they do is they, you know, send emails, call people, harass people, make connections on the ground. Harass people. <laughs> Sometimes that's what it takes, you know. So they make very real, tangible connections with people who then help them, you know, kind of navigate the cultural landscape. And so they spend all their time, you know, having meetings, having phone conversations, attending events, you know, just kind of immersing themselves into da- in the day-to-day lives of the people on the ground in order to, you know, again, help them identify the traditions that they want to identify and that they want to promote. So, yeah, it takes tons of legwork. You know, we spent a year in Yakima and that it's not even enough. You know, we only just kind of opened the, creaked open the door. Yeah. You know, there's so many things that we haven't uncovered and documented yet, and that's why we're still out there. I'm sort of picturing a, a several grad students type that are maybe interns working for a, a stipend to go out and do that, but I don't know if that's what's going on or not. Um, that's what happened, Jeff. Is it really? Well, not here necessarily. We, we hire... Um, in out in Yakima, we hired a actual professor at Central Washington University oh, to do this idea. work, yeah. and we also hired um, interns, undergraduate interns, to support the work. So it there's lots of people working on these projects. So again, so. tying into uh, the private and the uh, government mm-hmm. thing. So I guess universities probably is a good resource to get some people who already know something about it, and then sort of needle them. Where where should we go? What should we learn? Et cetera. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's. It, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. You know, I think universities have, you know, alongside these public programs, you know, truly held down the public folk life work around the country. And that's true for Washington State as well. You know, so, yeah, all of our work is a collaboration between the government, nonprofits and universities. And it's working well so far. We are talking this morning about cultural traditions, their past and future, I guess, with Dr. Langston Wilkins. He's the director of the Center for Washington Cultural Traditions. It's a partnership between Humanities Washington and the Washington State Arts Commission. 
The Center for Washington Cultural Traditions seeks to be, sounds like the go-to source for learning about Washington's, I guess we got a rich and diverse cultural heritage. It's going to be online, right? Or it is already up and going. Is it WA? Let me see if I get this right here. W-A for Washington, right? Yes. WA, W-A, culture.org. That's it. All right, I'll say it again because I bungled through that so <laughs> many times. W-A, culture.org. That's it. Okay, that's the... Uh, that's the Center for Washington Cultural Traditions website, part mm-hmm. of Humanities Washington's yes. website, right? Yeah. Well, it's a separate website. A separate, separate website. website. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. We have our own website. Considering it's a collaboration between the two entities, we kind of have our own, you know, space mm-hmm. that we occupy. My office is at Humanities Washington's office, but, you know, I go back and forth between the two institutions and the center's website yeah, stands alone. But of course, you know, you can link, we link to Humanities Washington. Yeah. Yeah. Side as well. And you know, as we were just talking about uh, the groundwork it takes to go out there and we we're using the, what, where you've been the last year over in the Yakima uh, nation area. Um, are there different, maybe you've found this in some of the other work you've done over the years, different ages, groups, ethnicities, or something that that's harder to get into and, and then get information out of? Are there hurdles to cross that are, I don't know, don't want to share? Is, is that a problem with people or not? I don't know. That's a common problem. And, you know, it has to do with sometimes age, sometimes religion, sometimes, you know, my personal work has to do with hip-hop culture and uh, I guess what we would call street culture. So there's various um, legal entanglements that prevent some of the people I work with from talking. So it, it just... It just depends. That's part of the work, figuring out how to get people to open up. It sounds kind of ironic way. that you want to get into the cultures, and it sometimes is a cultural um, barrier that separates that. Because oh, I don't know, I don't know. You have to gain trust or something. That maybe that's the yeah, first thing. That's huh? always the first thing. Getting people to trust you, trust you with their heritage, trust to be you vulnerable with their stories, to because it's very vulnerable. Because a lot of these practices are tied up, you know with you know family issues family traditions you know again like i mentioned legal issues you know very deeply sacred practices sure so you know it's it's a thing of trust and you know the first thing that a folklorist does is we we're vulnerable ourselves we're honest ourselves and we try to get the person whoever we're talking to to trust us and we try to get them to understand that we're here to serve them not to take from them but to serve them yeah you know, you mentioned the uh, one program, the um, cultural traditions. Yes, survey. the cultural traditions, the survey. The other, the other program, the apprenticeship program, right? So this is yeah. like to get the encourage the community to carry on cultural traditions, Absolutely. right? Tell me about that. Yeah, because that sounds like as big a part of it as preserving it, so carrying it on, carry on, keep it alive. Yeah, the heritage arts apprenticeship program. Um, apprenticeship programs are like core programs for folk life programs around the nation and essentially what we're trying to do there is we're you know seeking to preserve um, and promote these traditions by pairing you know masters of these traditions with eager apprentices this is where i think that um, trust needs to be built right Big time, <laughs> big time between uh, the master and apprentice, as well as myself, you know, and the teams, because they'll be working together for a year. You know, we suggest they work together for about 100 hours to transmit these traditions. So, um, 
Yeah, that's it's a big program. This is uh, we're currently in the first year. We have about nine teams from all over the state representing various uh, cultures and traditions, and things are going really well. Yeah, I'm thinking of uh, a guest I had on here, and I'm going to forget it here at the spur of the moment. But um, she was from one of the local uh, Duwamish tribes uh, or Muckleshoot area, and sure. they had an apprentice program to pass on um, traditional medicinal uh, uh, traditions with, sure. uh, you know, by taking young people and starting at junior high age, I think, out into the woods and saying, we're standing in a pharmacy. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean. Yeah. That's essentially, you know, what we try to do Yeah, with our program is, you know, especially targeting, targeting the youth, you know, we want because it's it's the youth that are going to carry on these traditions and also in the future teach others, you know. So, um, you know, I also do want to say that another core part of our apprenticeship program, as well as our larger um, center, is economics. You know, there's an economic component built right into the apprenticeship program. We have, um, we offer our teams, both the masters and the apprentices, business skills training because we want them to be able to in some ways if they choose to monetize their art forms and that's you know that doesn't work for every team or every tradition of course but if they want to we want them to be able to you know some ways live off their art if they want that yeah so expose them to you know there's a rest of the world out here that might Want yeah. to enjoy your t- culture, your Absolutely. tradition, they your music, your food, yeah. your their basket weaving, the hip hop, whatever it might Absolutely. be. Absolutely. Absolutely. Expose them to that. Give them the skills to be able to market their art or work. Um, how do you write a business plan? You know, how do you learn about grant funding? All these things we want to be able to provide them in order to help them, you know, earn a little bit of money, you know, off of their art. You know, and I think that's something that most artists want to do. That's also true for folk artists. That's pretty cool. Um, yeah, the Center for Washington Cultural Traditions. Um, that's a great idea to move. And that spreads the word of what yeah. what each of them are doing as well as helps them preserve it, I guess, if they can uh, yeah. Yeah, make some money at it. Cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Dr. Wilkins, what, I don't know if this is a, if you're able to answer this one, uh, what's kind of like the reaction been from people once you get them involved in this, um, you know, as you propose those kind of things, share with us uh, your history, share with us your, your, your gr- recipes of, of that your grandma passed on to you, et cetera. You know, based on my experience, it's been great. You know, people have been, you know, very eager to share their traditions and preserve their traditions for a long time. And, you know, here we are with the center offering them an opportunity, you know, on their terms, you know, to do that. And, you know, the response has been fabulous. You know, I've met with, you know, most of the apprenticeship teams and all of them have, you know, been thankful for the opportunity, you know, because we also uh, pay the master and apprentice to participate. So, you know, that's just another incentive to, you know, preserve things. So, yeah, they've been the response has been wonderful, and I, you know I'm excited about the future of the center, and I think we'll continue to serve the community in ways that are beneficial to them. So, and if I may, you know, you're a doctor of philosophy, uh, right? <laughs> yeah. A PhD, right? Yeah. So let me ask a philosophical question okay. about people or society. I don't know. Does the need for people to uh, hang on to their roots even after they've immigrated to a new culture? You know, there are subset. What does that tell us about? 
us as human beings, I guess. I don't know. Mm, that's a heavy question. Okay, I got it. Yeah. <laughs> stump the philosopher. Yeah, yeah. yeah you, no, I don't think you've stumped me, but <laughs> it's something I should be thinking about. You know, I, I just think it, it you know, I, I can speak from my own background. You know, the only reason I'm doing this work right now is because of the African-American culture that I grew up in down in Houston, Texas. You know, part of my family are Louisiana Creoles and you know, I was from a young age aware of the various food ways and musical art forms that came from, you know, that tradition. And it kind of, you know, as I was growing up in Houston, Texas, in a very diverse climate, you know, it gave me a strong sense of identity. You know, it helped me kind of understand who I was in the world and also that there was a larger community of people who, you know, understood my experience and could empathize with me, you know, and I think that's help me, you know, ascend in life and help me even pursue this work here where now I'm engaging other people's art forms and other people's traditions who've lived experiences that are far different from me. So I think it just, you know, in some ways, folk life, traditional arts helps us identify what makes our communities unique but also brings us together. So it's just truly a beautiful thing. That is a pretty cool dichotomy. It, it is unique. It separates us, yet it brings us together because we do want to see more and learn more about the rest of the people we're mixed up here with. I mean, that's why Folklife Festival, which is coming up here every year, uh, it's mm-hmm. Memorial Day weekend. Memorial Day. It's huge, and it has been huge for years Giant. and years and years. Yeah. I mean, the music, the 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 dance, the colors and of different ethnicities that are all on the Seattle Center at the same, the smells of the foods <laughs> being cooked. I mean, that's just an awesome place to go on Memorial Day weekend right. folklife festival, right? Absolutely. I've never been, actually. Oh, so that's this will right. be my you're first time. Town. I'm oh, new to town, gonna, so you're I'm gonna very enjoy much it. looking forward to it. Oh, man. Okay, so we're going to run out of time here, okay. uh, Langston. What do we, before we run out of time, is there a big picture question I haven't asked, or maybe something small or particular that you like to tell people about the, the center uh, or, you know, the, the work you doing or maybe just about themselves or like kind of like we've been talking yeah i think you pretty much got it you know i uh moved here from tennessee you know i was working in folk life there and you know i loved it you know i truly loved it and i grew up in texas but you know since being here for simply just two months you know i've been marveling at just the sheer diversity of the state you know it's a big state but there's so many kinds of people. I mean, just the native tribe, the tribes themselves, so many different kinds of tribes, so many different kinds of, you know, ethnic cultures are right here in this state. And they're all trying to, in some ways, secure, you know, and promote their cultures. And it's just a beautiful place to be working in folk life. And I'm just so honored to be here. So I, that's kind of where, that's where I am right now. I'm still in a space of learning, but I'm just overwhelmed at the sheer, you know, variety of traditions in this state and i hope everyone else understands that and welcomes that as well yeah and i think what you're doing at the the center uh for washington cultural traditions is going to be really cool to as you document more and more of that for the rest of us to learn about ourselves really thank you yeah yeah that's what we're trying to do yeah all right well thank you so much for being here we are out of time we've been talking with langston colin wilkins uh he's the director of the center for washington cultural traditions uh dr wilkins thank you so much for being here and your time today and, and really thanks for all that the center for washington cultural traditions and humanities washington is doing for like you said preserving that culture and sharing it with the rest of us thank you thank you so much if you'd like to hear this interview again it will be available on podcast one and itunes within 
in a few days. Just search Spotlight with Gary Scheip. I am Gary Scheip. Thanks for listening today. We hope you've learned something new. Join us again next week as we continue to talk with people that are making a difference in our community.